The Paunch Stevenson Show. PaunchStevenson.com. Episode 237. Friday, February 28th, 2014. This is The Paunch Stevenson Show. PaunchStevenson.com. Episode 237. I am Rob. You are Greg. Peace and love. Peace and love. That's right, love. It's oh. the Beatles. Peace and love. It's the bloody Beatles. <clears throat> so, uh, so why are we doing these voices? I don't know. It's me, Paul McCartney, love. Well, so this was the, um, recently this is the 50th anniversary of the Beatles coming to America by appearing on the Ed Sullivan Show in 1964 etc uh, etc et and I they did something on the Grammys uh, well let's talk about the Grammys first I did not watch that okay well in any case I don't watch awards shows I don't either but they're terrible fine on the Grammys they had uh, they were honoring the Beatles and they had a Ringo Starr there obviously and he played a uh, couple of songs i forget what that i forget which ones he did i think he did like photograph and nah. something else what um, would you do if i sang nah. out of tune would you stand up and look out on me? no it wasn't i don't i don't think he did that then i don't remember no so he, so he did a couple songs in the town Whoa. where i was born yeah 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 so um uh, you know it don't come easy. <laughs> uh, so they uh, they did those, and then Paul McCartney uh, came out with his band. That's right, love. Yeah, and he did a couple of songs. Yesterday, no, I don't know if he did that one, but no. did a couple of songs, and then in one of them he had Ringo Starr in the background playing drums, <laughs> barely. Yeah, and then I think they both. I think they did do. Um, um, little help from our friends. I think it may be because I remember Ringo with the microphone singing something. Bopping back and forth like a nut. <laughs> he does that thing. He does that, that thing where he looks like he's like on a boat and the boat's rocking back and forth and he's just... Why does he do that? And he, he just looks so strange now because he has this like like kind of this... He must have that thing where they like like spray the hair on you. <laughs> and he's got the dark glasses and the beard and the spray hair. <laughs> the Ron Popeil spray hair. <laughs> he, I, uh, he looks he looks like a troll or something very strange. <laughs> of course McCartney looks almost as bad. And I, I don't know if you know this, but Ringo Starr actually has his sunglasses surgically fused no. fused to his face. I don't think so. They never, ever, they never come off. <laughs> ever. Not in public. Why? What is That's he hiding? I don't know. Maybe the light bothers him. I, I don't know. Any case. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, then they did their songs, whatever. So, one of the songs that McCartney did with him was this new song that he has. Uh-oh. And, you know, this is always very trepidatious when he's coming out with a new album. <laughs> And in fact, his new album is called New. Hey, let me tell you something. 
Paul McCartney. I love Paul McCartney, but he I, has uh, gotten. He here's has got, the thing. Oh, wait, let me just stop for a second. I am not. This is not a recording that I just played over. Because you have said on this show, I quote, you know, let me tell you something. I love Paul McCartney, but <laughs> about 80 times. I know. So I love Paul McCartney, but he has gotten so uncreative <laughs> oh, in, in the past 10 years. Like, seriously, since the yeah. since the early 2000s. Oh, longer than that. That Well, longer than that, but especially since the early 2000s. Now his new album is just called New. <laughs> Seriously, the man is—he's he, just coasting at this point. Well, I mean, look, I mean, maybe, other... maybe rightfully so. I'm not, you know, maybe, maybe not. But the fact is, he is—he is coasting. I mean, come on. It's just the the mu the pop music, rock music landscape has, and this is not a look. This is not a um, this is not a slant on Paul McCartney. But the fact is, his music, which I loved, obviously has pa- been passed by. And it's one don't of the reasons I don't like, by, I don't don't like music. Cry, don't make me blue. the hell's that? Don't pass me by. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. No, so wait, so, so what did you just say? So, no, so I mean, I, and it's one of the reasons I don't like new rock music. Because yeah. it has, you know, it stinks now. But he, rather than, so the problem is he can't like do the stuff that he did years ago because it's just gonna be like oh well i've heard that before he can't just so there's be... really nothing for him to do i would love it i would to love nothing if paul mccartney was just if he released a, if he wrote and recorded a new album and and if he just let himself be paul mccartney instead of trying to be the cool hip 20 year old i'm i'm not an old man i'm with it I'm with the times. Listen to my new album. No. But that's who he is. Just that, Paul that McCartney. That is Paul McCartney. That's his personality, yeah, though. But, uh, yeah, I guess. To be obnoxious. That's him. <laughs> I guess. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, like George Harrison, like, went off into the, into, like, nowhere in the obscurity. And and when he finally came back and did that last album, he did it. He's like, you know, I'm not going to do an album. I'm not going to put something out if it's if it's crap. Yeah. You know, like, if I don't have any ideas, I'm not going to do it. Well. And look now, Paul McCartney, he's redone everything. He's redone blues music, <laughs> doo-wop music. He's covered everything. Classical and <laughs> mess. New wave. Yeah, so what else can he do? So in this album, apparently, I forget the guy's name, but he's... A lot of the songs are co-written by other people now. Uh, so I think he's, he's kind of realized that he, he can't do, do it entirely on his own anymore because it's just no, drivel. No, 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 no. He's done this before. He's gone through this phase in the 80s. He's gone through this phase in the 90s where he he teams up with uh, Michael Jackson or Elvis Costello. Paul Epworth. Stanley Clark or the, you know, he he's done this before. Paul Epworth is who he's did a lot of this. Anyway, so uh, they performed this new song of his called Queenie Eye. Have you heard this song? No. I, here's the thing, though. It's not that bad. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll have to listen it's to like, it. It's like... Dun, 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 dun. 
It it actually does kind of harken back to the old Beatles stuff almost. All right, good. I, I thought it was pretty good. Believe it or not, the other songs in the album mostly stunk because he wrote them. But <laughs> I, you got to listen to it. I I it, it is actually de- decent. Believe it or not. The erosion never told me Never came up with a plan All the stories that you told me don't understand i've been saying this a lot lately i don't understand but for real i don't understand how you have a man who all throughout his 20s wrote all this this historic music yeah you know whether whether someone listening to to the paul stevenson show also his 30s no 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 I, i know i know but I'm just saying whether whether a listener of the Paul Stevenson show likes Paul McCartney's music, that you know you don't have to like it. That's fine. But the fact is, it it, it is historic music. Of course, through his twenties, through his thirties, mm-hmm. then he hit forty, okay. and the well just <laughs> for the not not one hundred percent, but like a couple more songs. Yeah, but like ninety five percent, the well dried up. Right. And I understand this happens to everybody. This happens to Bob Dylan. This happens to Bruce Springsteen and Bon Jovi. And it happens to everybody. Everybody, you know, you, you, you have this period of desire and excitement and, and you're experimenting. Well, it, and it, It's not just that, though. It's, as I was saying, the brand of popular music morphs to a certain extent right. to where you're no longer your sound is no longer relevant right so and and there's that factor too yeah so i'm not it's not a knock against paul mccartney it's just i'm saying the well dries up it happens to everybody yeah so but he can like 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 you said he had a few more big hits in him that were very yeah. good throughout the 1980s then he had kind of a a a, a resurgence in the very late 1980s, throughout like the mid 1990s, with flowers mm. in the dirt and mm. and flaming pie, and it was great. He had a whole like a, some really good songs, and then then 
the well went 99.999% dry. Who knows? Maybe maybe Linda was writing all these great songs. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm sure, know. as silly as it sounds, I'm sure she had something to do with it. Some kind of, like, fun element or, like, I, I don't know. But I, I just find it very, not sad, but I just find it, like, just... I don't We've know what the word is, this. but 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 you have a guy who's making this these beautiful, amazing, you know, Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey, and and we've talked about my it car a billion and... a billion times. We've discussed this, and the example I would give would be like the Rolling Stones. Okay, the Rolling Stones continued to make albums full with full original music right, right through the late nineties. <laughs> right, and the whole but here's the difference though. While they were doing that back in the 90s, people, and when I say people, like people in the pop culture, critics, were literally saying, Mick, Keith, stop! (laughs) Stop! Like, we want you to keep touring. We love your tours. Your old, your songs are great, but stop making these new songs. They're terrible. Right. And they stopped. Right. You know, like, they weren't one of these bands who complain and say, Oh, you know, we're not going to get back together unless we can make new music. And blah, blah, blah. Right. No, they just went out and performed. Say, hey, we're Rolling Stones. We're showing up. It's sold out. There's no harder ticket to get in the world than the Rolling Stones. And we're going to we're gonna rock. And they did. I know. And, you know, and, and, and that's the fact. And I look at, like, some other bands, like, for instance, uh, you know, I always like Fleetwood Mac. And they're supposed to tour again uh, very shortly with Christine McVie, who was one of the original vocalist songwriters. Yeah. She's been, she hasn't been with them for like 15, 20 years. She's supposed to come back. But even like that, that's something like, if they're actually going to do it, I want a ticket to the concert because I want to hear their songs live. But I have no interest in new songs. Please, no. No. But, but know, don't put anything new out. But, but hold on. So so the, the point I was making sometimes was... Sometimes they need to make money, but... I know. The point I was making was, I understand, even for me, for you, for everybody, for Paul McCartney, for Mozart, you hit a certain age and the well dries up. The inspiration right. is gone. The excitement is gone. The, the struggle is gone. Times have changed. Like you said, pop music morphs, or, or music in general morphs. Right. For a variety of reasons, the well dries up. Whatever, yeah. yeah, I mean, whatever muse he had for all those years, maybe it was Linda, is clearly gone, because now what he's doing is just, it's, he's just going through the motions at this point. Right. But, even though I understand that that happens to every human being, they, they just lose that muse or that drive, I understand that, yet simultaneously, it's still confusing to me how someone can come up with not just silly, uh, 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 shallow hit after hit after hit. I'm talking about, yeah. like I said, historic, beautifully written, well, mm. like so cleverly crafted hit after hit after hit after hit. And then now, the same man sitting at the same instrument coming up right. with songs, and it's just like... This like are you, seriously? This is what you came up with? Well, and, and, but again, it's it's like here, I'll give you some examples. When was the last big time Elton John song 
that you can remember. Oh. It's been at least 20 years. And I know. The same thing with him. The same thing with Billy Joel. Yeah, but, but, here, but here's the difference, though. I'll give, Billy Joel's a great example. Billy Joel continues to perform all the time, constantly, um, and put in great shows. But he has not put out an album in, like, what, like 10, 15 years. Good. And not only that, he said he won't put a new album. Mm-hmm. He's literally admitted. He says, look, you I have just... To, you have to just, retire. It's not... No, no, it's not... So, he's like, look, I just don't have it. He's like, it's like it just... You know, like you, like for somebody like him, he needs to be inspired. Like, for instance, uh, my favorite Billy Joel album was An Innocent Man, which yeah. he put out in 1983. That was an like a big homage album to all like the old doo-wop and R&B stuff from when he was a, a younger, you know, person, the yeah. 60s. Uptown girl. Right. And, and, uh, but but even he said, he's time. like, yes, and he's like, he's like, look, I was divorced all of a sudden, I was divorced. I was like a rock star. I couldn't believe it. I was dating all these models. You know, met Christy Brinkley, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, so I felt this, like, I had this, like, inspiration. And he's like, I literally, almost the entire album literally came out from came out of him in the studio. Right. Like, he went into the studio, and it just, boom, it just flew out of him. Like, <clears throat> right. you know, like, now some, some, some of the old, uh, back in the day, they had to take some LSD. I don't you know. You know <laughs> right. No, but all but, kinds of stuff. But at the same time, what I'm saying is he's somebody who is readily admitted to say, "Look, I don't think I have. I can. I can. I can get this inspiration anymore to put out new music. So why am I going to do it and sound stupid?" And I agree with that. And it gets back to my point about Paul McCartney, which is. Oh wait a minute. Wait, wait, compa- wait, wait, hold, hold on. on. Comparison to Rolling Stones, nobody is out there criticizing him. You and I have said every album this guy puts out is garbage, but yet it's critically acclaimed. <laughs> I These know. Freaking critics, they're so, they're so fearful of, of saying, oh my God, a Beatle just made something bad. They but just we, won't but, do it. But afraid of what? Like what's going to happen if they say I don't say know. That? I don't know. Like he won't, like he won't talk to them or like Paul McCartney's going to come and, and beat them with his shoe or something. Like what's going to happen? It doesn't make it like way back in the day when, when John Lennon did some terrible albums of critics said, these are bad. Yeah. But why is he doing these? But hold on. So, so my confusion is, so like I said, I understand the well runs dry. I get it. My confusion is, Number one, this is the same man who wrote all this classic, beautiful stuff, now mm. writing this garbage. <laughs> and number two, but that, but that's not what I'm confused about. The well ran dry. I get it. What I'm confused about is like is what you said is that music moves on, music changes, it shifts, different sound, it evolves, right? His his style. Sometimes it evolves back to how it sounded in the past. Right, but so so when you know, like nineteen eighty, slowly ever since nineteen eighty, nineteen ninety till today, slowly since nineteen eighty, his his style got more and more irrelevant. Yeah. As time went on and and music evolved, and I get and again and I get that too. I understand that yes, music does go through different shifts and it evolves. What I find confusing is, I can put on. His his music from the 1960s. Yeah. I could put on his music from the 1970s, like a song like "Band on the Run" or "Jet" or "Live and Let Die," and it it's not it's not like 
it, 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 it doesn't sound out of place. It still sounds like, wow, that's a great rocking song. It sounds perfectly in place today. Even though time went on, music evolved, things changed, that old music playing it today still sounds perfectly normal. It's not like if I went and played like an old Al Jolson 1920s 78 record, it's like, oh, here's the old vaudeville. <laughs> of course, that sounds old and out of place yeah, in wow. today's world. Paul McCartney's old classic music does not sound out of place. Yeah, no, but he's not going to want to do the same exact thing he did before. I guess. I don't know. That's all right. So whatever. We're good. Just, just, just babbling at this point. It, no, but but my, it, it's just weird that time goes on, music changes. Yes. He can't write anymore because time went on and music changes. Yet his old stuff still fits in with today's time. What can I tell? It's you? It's very confusing to me, and 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 I have to keep trying to unlock the secrets of this conundrum. It is what it is. So anyway, so at the Grammys, the next night, I think, they they did this um, this additional show, which was this Grammys slash CBS tribute to the Beatles and that they're, you know, coming to America 1964. Hosted by? Eric Idle, was it? I thought it was David Letterman. Oh, no. no. Well... Letterman wasn't there. Wait, is this the same? Are we talking about the same show? I don't think so. Because there was one hosted by David Letterman. He was talking to Paul and Ringo. And yeah, then... yeah, it's the same one. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, they had a they had something that they taped in Los Angeles the night after the Grammys, which people performed the yeah. music. Right. Yeah. Right. And interspersed in there were clips of this interview that, that David Letterman had with Ringo and Paul from the Ed Sullivan Theater. Hee <laughs> In New York, yes. <laughs> so yeah, so they just put it they just put it all together. It was like it was like two and a half hours, the whole thing. I know. Yeah, so it's the same thing. So David Letterman would ask them, like, so, uh, yeah. uh, what's it like being back in the Ed Sullivan Theater? Yeah, and he'd be like, oh, yeah. you know, uh, over here, love, they had, they, this is where the toilet was. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. It's like, come on. I remember I got up on stage and I thought to myself, wow, there's a lot of people here. It's like, well, and they had some cool, yeah. well, they had some funny anecdotes from the 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 directors and producers and people who actually are still alive who from, yeah from those people from yeah. the behind the scenes people yeah. yeah in fact there's this one guy from New Jersey who was a kid at the time it's like a production assistant and George Harrison had the flu and so when they were rehearsing or something like that they stuck him there and so there's all these old pictures of him with this Beatles wig <laughs> yeah, with he the was, Beatles he was the stand-in yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I thought it was very well done. Um, it sounds like you didn't like it, but just my initial impression was, um, some of the performances, and here's the thing, it was, most of the night were other, uh, current or past performers doing the Beatles songs. Yeah. Um, you know, and all four of them were pretty well represented. Into, well, not Ringo's stuff. He did it himself, but... <laughs> what goes on uh, in all right, your heart? All right, all right. 
But they had, like, uh, for instance, they had, um, uh, they had <clears throat> maybe, like, six McCartney songs, five Lennon songs, like, four George Harrison songs, or, you know, something like that. And then... All right, all right hold on. I'd hold on. like to be yeah, all right, so it was under the, the sea. All right, the night that changed America, a Grammy salute to the Beatles. That was the actual title. Yeah. So, it was 150 minutes. So I, some of the I thought some of the performances were very good, and I'll get into them in a second. Yeah. Um, and at the end, you know, Ringo performed, and then Paul <laughs> McCartney's band performed, and they both performed, and blah blah blah, whatever. Um. So and I, so I liked a lot of that. My first view on it is this was probably the best Beatles tribute show that they were a part of. Probably that's ever been done, and that maybe not said saying much because I haven't been that many of them. It was the concert for George after George Harrison died, yes, and they were all in that, and that was excellent. I better, mean, yes, it was better. tremendous, but it was almost it was all George Harrison's songs. I mean, right. They weren't playing other Beatles songs for the most part, right? But this was the first one that they really did, you know. That, and that they were involved in, you know, and it wasn't just like other people, you know, like American Idol doing their songs and, you know, <laughs> right. nonsense or something. So, but you sound like you didn't really like it. Well, here's my thing. Before I watched it, I said, why can't, or no, sorry, not before I watched it. While I was watching it, I kept thinking to myself, I kept, I kept saying, why can't, someone organize sort of similar to the concert for George in what was it? 2001 or 2002. Why mm -hmm. can't they, why can't somebody do 50 year anniversary tribute to the Beatles, Ed Sullivan, USA and get almost like their contemporaries, like, you know, get, get like a, like, like veterans up there, like Bruce Springsteen. Stevie well, Wonder. Done yeah, done. Stevie Wonder was at this. Thing. I know, I know, but like you know, get these big time, big classic guys who yeah. know. Like these are the, they're the real deal. I don't want to see Katy Perry sing a Beatles song. I don't want to see John Mayer or Keith Urban sing a Beatles. I want to see Stevie Wonder. You know. Uh, even Bon Jovi, get Bon Jovi up there. No, no, no. I'd rather see him. But this is this is about how bridging the gap, you know, fifty years of performers. That was the whole. No, you're not. You're not going to bridge the gap. All right, so, all right. Hold on. We'll get into the performances in a second. All right. What I was kind of hoping is it didn't happen. Now they had one of the kids. They had Danny Harrison. Right. He did one one of the songs with Jeff Lynne. Well, no, wait a minute. They had two of the children. Performing. Only one. <laughs> right. In attendance. <laughs> so in the front row there, you had Paul McCartney and his who, new wife. Who looked like he was room. about, he was like in a daze the entire time. Nah, he was, he seemed excited. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the other child. Oh, okay, yeah. I'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul McCartney, Paul, oh, he was having a good time, McCartney. Right. He was there, uh, seated next to him. On the one side was Ringo Starr and his wife, Barbara Bach. Yeah. And ironically, seated next to her was actually her sister, uh, who's married to Joe Walsh. Catherine Bach? 
No, no, not the the not the uh, Duke's part. Totally different. These are British people. Ah, okay. She her uh, Ringo Starr's wife, current wife, the last thirty years or more, has been mar- is married to Joe Walsh from the Eagles. Now I know that especially so, in, Joe, so in, Joe Walsh was in the front row also, right? And, and and wait, hold on. I know that in especially in rock and roll, looks don't shouldn't really matter that much. But Joe Walsh is like, why he just Mom. he's just so not good looking. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Sorry, well, that was that was very superficial of me. Back in the day, let me tell you. He got plenty of women. Well, of course, but... The Eagles! He performed. Yeah. So, and on the other side was Olivia Harrison, George's widow. Right. And I don't know where Danny Harrison went during the show. I mean, he was somewhere, but he wasn't there. Um, Dave Grohl. Hold on. Dave Grohl was, was there somewhere with his kid. Get to him in a second. Oh, yeah. So, on the opposite side was, uh, after Joe Walsh, was Yoko Ono. Ah, yes. Now, let me tell you something. Yoko Ono was having, she was going, having the best time of anybody. <laughs> She's dancing in the aisles. I know. She's doing that weird, like, uh, transcendental dance stuff that she used to do back in the 70s that we hated. Just, she was going nuts. Yeah. Um, and then next to her was her son, Sean Lennon, and his girlfriend. Sean oh Lennon, who, who, his <laughs> mouth was just wide, like his tongue was sticking out of his mouth, his, his like, he was just like, like staring <laughs> off into space the entire the zombie. Th- yes! I'm glad it wasn't just me who noticed this. It was like... It was like he he would have no interest in this. Well, it was like he was high. Oh. Really? So, you know what I thought? I I, I the whole time I saw um, Sean Lennon and and um, and Danny Harrison. Right. The whole time I'm like, why don't like okay, Paul and Ringo are there. Yeah. They're gonna get up on stage. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if you had the two of them and then Sean <laughs> Lennon and Danny Harrison? Well, no. And, and they all... Just one song. Just one song. Why I, not, right? Why? Why can't they do this? It's a question that people always ask, and I guess they just... They don't feel comfortable. I, I don't... I mean, to me... Well, first of all, Danny Harrison is this... I mean, I don't want to belittle the guy, but he's, he's not that good. No. I think he's pretty good. Well, I mean, he sounds—he sa- he sounds like his father, and looks like and him. singing. Well, yeah, obviously, he looks just like him, it's, and he plays guitar. It's scary. Um, yes, uh, he's not—he's not a very good. Well, I guess he's—I've actually seen him in some YouTube clips where he's like playing like heavy metal and going berserk. So, <laughs> really, I guess he can do just about anything with a guitar if he wanted. But I've, I've seen him play blues, and he was pretty good. So yeah, I mean, I'd love to see that. Um, but not Sean Lennon, Julian Lennon. Julian, well, yeah, right. He but can sing. I know, but Julian wasn't there. Sean was there, so it's like I, getting I him that. up on stage. It's better than nothing. And I was kind of upset that like Julian wasn't there. But I don't know. He's yeah. he's got his own issues with the whole you know Beatles thing. But right. uh, 
Yeah, it would have been nice to see them see them go up there and, you know, play something like that. But they didn't. So now we got to talk about what actually happened. So the first act was Maroon 5. <laughs> right. So so here's the, the pattern here. What's, so basically... Wait, what's it, the guy's name from... Oh, God. Um, Adam, Adam Levine. Levine. Yeah, what a... What so, a joke. basically what they did was they kind of started at the beginning of the Beatles music in the tributes and then kind of moved on. And, and then, you know, some of it was interspersed. But anyway. Can I explain something to you? Ugh, I don't know. On. I don't know. Forever. I don't know if I ever said this on in an episode of the show, but Adam Levine, I read. Terrible. He grew up in a very rich family, which is fine. You know, that, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but he grew up in a very rich family because... His parents were record producers. So then when he was, uh, I guess, in his late teens or something like that, he made a, a heavy metal band. And his dad or, or some, you know, someone in the industry was like, you know, drop the heavy metal thing and do this pop thing and we'll sign you and you'll be hugely successful. He's a yeah. sellout. And, and, and it's not only is he a sellout, he's famous because of nepotism. Why is this a surprise to you? It's not a surprise. I'm just saying, who takes this man seriously? Why is he being taken so seriously that he's involved in something special like a Beatles anniversary show? It's disgusting. Look, when we get to some of the other people that were involved, well, Adam Levine is going to seem like we're talking about, you know, Jackson Brown or something. All I mean, right, fine, these, these all right, fine, are terrible. Fine. So, so they now here's the thing. As bad as you might think it would be, they did All My Loving, they did Ticket to Ride. I gotta tell you, I thought it was pretty good. Fine. No? I, it's, it, it, was, it was meaningless. Okay, fine. I thought it was pretty good. Then Stevie Wonder did We Can Work It Out, which he's done for 40 years. Right. He's done that song, so that was typical. Uh, then they did Something uh, with Jeff Lynne singing the lead and Danny Harrison Joe Walsh playing the guitar right uh, I I thought it was tremendous they did a great job Jeff, however wait Jeff Lynn another guy whose glasses sunglasses yes, never, ever, never ever ever come off I think they're all like 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 he was they must have been like a, like a Roy Orbison thing except <laughs> they're not blind though. I don't know anyway Jeff Lynn yeah. um, who I like yeah and I know you have, you don't like him, but um, I like him. And I thought it was they did a great rendition. It was tremendous, tremendous song. Obviously, my only thing was rather they had it backwards. They had Jeff Lynne singing the Harrison part, and then Danny Harrison coming in and doing the McCartney part, like in the in the in the, you know as a backup vocalist. Right. They had it backwards. I know. It should have been Donnie Harrison doing the George Harrison lead and Jeff Lynn doing the backup because he sounds just like him. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't get that. Or they could have had Glenn Noller. <laughs> no. No? Well, maybe. And Neil Tudor. <laughs> All those guys. Uh, and, I, I, hey, I, I got something to say about it. Uh, uh, some Beatles impersonators later. <laughs> All right. So then they did uh, "In My Life" by some who's Ed Sheeran, Sheeran, or who's this guy? No idea. He's British though. Um, so he came. He's a young guy. Came out. Did "In My Life." I, that was okay. 
a little slow. It's okay. Then uh, a Lennon song, Don't Let Me Down, John Mayer and <laughs> Keith Urban. John May no, not John Mayer, a hobo impersonating <laughs> John Mayer. <laughs> what? Still, I don't know what he was dressing as, but... I don't Look, know. you're making fun of him, but I still thought it was a good performance of him. <sighs> I really... It wasn't as good as, like, when Matchbox... Matchbox 20 ca- ca- uh, covered Don't Let Me Down for many years and did a tremendous job. But... I thought it was still like Keith Urban. You think, ah, oh, country music, but I mean, the two of them, guitar wise, they did a great, great song guitar wise. I know, and and supposedly John Mayer is pretty decent at playing blues guitar. Maybe decent. I don't know because I don't one listen to it. What? Wait, what? He's one of the best. John Mayer is the blues best guitarist. blues guitarist who ever lived. No, I said one of the best. Yeah. <laughs> Not of all time. Anyway. Well, because you haven't heard him. How would you know? <laughs> all right, so then the next so, song... Wait a where the... But someone like uh, Keith Urban, who's so... Right. He's so, like... I know, he's that new age crap country, you know. Right, right. but not only that, he's, like, so, you know, like, all, like, plastic surgeried up, and, like, the hair dye, and right. totally against <laughs> the Beatles' rooftop performance oh, of don't let yeah, me so then they had the other guy it was a hobo so it's kind of <laughs> put the two of them together and they get uh, john lennon all right so anyway um keith urban looks like a woman all right so you know they, they, they you know and now john mayer's girlfriend's turn who's that katie perry that would, what so, so she did yesterday what no what and i'm sure you saw this yes so I personally didn't think her singing was that bad. I know people went berserk on the internet and, oh my God, how can you allow... How is allowing Katy Perry doing the songs any worse than some of these other people? I don't know. But um, what she was wearing was a bit strange. I I don't know if she if she was told beforehand that she was tri- doing a tribute for the Beatles or the mamas and papas. <laughs> right. Because she was wearing this, like, polka-dotted, like, what do you call it? The moo-moo. Right. I know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Katy Perry, let me tell you something. Katy Perry's another one. One of these people who, if you watch really old clips of her from, like, 15 years ago, totally... She was like a gospel singer. Yeah, like, totally normal acoustic singer, normal hair, normal person, normal voice... Another one of these people is like, well, you know, if you sell out and change your sound, you'll become a millionaire. Oh, okay. Like, well, what kind of an artist are you if you're just going to say, if you're just going to ditch your style and then, you know, just to sell, it's like, come on. Well, phonies. I know, but that's what the idiots want to hear. So that's besides the point. So then she did that. And then there's this new band, one of these new bands Imagine Dragons. No, they did revolu- revolution no. in this. No. No. It was not good. No. And they're again, they're one of these new bands, these these like weird like these bands where they're I I wouldn't even call them hipster, but they all look like they they came out of like West Virginia, like in the nineteen 19- <laughs> 30s. Well, they they have the T-shirt, but they're wearing the suspenders and the golf Ugh. pants, and they have like the little derby hat and the yeah. and the the patchy beard, yeah, two hundred dollar haircut, and right. 
They all stink. Them, the Lumineers stink. Because you know what it the is, Mumford which, and Sons. They all stink. And we've talked about this, like even with Frank Nora, we talked about this. But yeah. during the Beatles' time, I I know that their music was very like at least it started out very poppy and very danceable, but there was still this energy to it and this edge yeah. to it. Yeah. And then just of course later on, it got like even a little bit more edgy and a little bit more experimental and. And like revolution and and tomorrow never knows and helter skelter like all these very loud edgy songs. Why can't we do it in the road? <clears throat> and and rock and roll music and rhythm and blues and blues music like tr- like tr- traditionally and historically have dealt with very like emotional issues and Man. a lot of anger and 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 uh, uh, problem like overcoming problems yes. and well and, apparently and John social... Lennon didn't know didn't realize it at the time. But he hadn't written a protest song. He hadn't written a hard rocking song. He had actually written a lullaby. Right. <laughs> so, right. Well, and, 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 and there were a lot, you know, rock and roll music was, a lot, it was like a lot of social unrest and protest. But now the problem is you get these new bands where there's no social problems, there's no <laughs> protest, there's yeah. no. You know, I'm struggling with these problems, or I'm I'm troubled, or I have, I'm emotional. I'm not on drugs. I'm not drunk. How can you make rock music if you're not drunk? So you have these groups making this very, very milk toast, middle of the road, wimpy, spineless. All the edges have been sanded off. It's it's very safe, non-edgy music. Right. That's the problem. And we don't like it. All right. So we move on. So then, no, so, hate... so they get up there with these little like ukuleles and uh. like blue do do you revolution. Everybody's like, no. Well, the ridiculous part is, it was actually George Harrison who was fond of the ukulele, and not Jordan John Lennon. Right, but George Harrison didn't, uh, you know, storm into a Beatles recording session and say, no. "Put down your electric guitars and your drumming, <laughs> and we're gonna all pick up ukuleles and yeah. and and sing." very gently and softly into the microphone mm. this this twee music not oh, that i more... and, and i'm not saying i hate all twee music twee music is fine whatever it's fine is that what you're calling <laughs> but it, well that's what it is but it's like this is not ro- stop calling this rock music because it's not this is not it, rock and roll it, yeah it, it's 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 chick music what happened and, and and people don't understand this that if you look at art right, music is art visual art, you know, music art, any kind of art form. If you look at the 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 visual art world, you went through a period of let's say impressionist painting for several years. Then then uh cubist, then surrealist, then postmodern, you know, you're losing me. I know, I'm just saying that in the art world, like in the year 2014. Ugh. Listen, in the year 2014, I'm being serious. Do you go to an art gallery and you see all these impressionist painters in 2014? No. I don't know. No, because it was a movement and it lasted a few years and then it evolved into something else. It evolved into, you know, whatever. And then you had surrealism and then you had, like I said, like Cubis and all this this other stuff. It evolves. It lasts a few years and then it goes away and something else takes its place. Rock music... People keeps keep, keep people keep saying 
you know, rock, like the Mumford and Sons rock music, rock and roll. It's not rock and roll was a, a, a just like the art world. Music is art, too. Just, just like the art world. We went through the rock and roll period. Yeah. Now it went away. And now there's something else that took its place. Why, it's why can't bad. people accept this? Anyway, so. No, but why can't people accept that? You can't accept it. I can accept This is why we can't move on here. I can accept it, but I'm, I'm not calling this new music rock and roll. It's not rock and roll. <sighs> All right, so now we move on. Because not everybody performing here is a rock and roll singer. So they did Hey Bulldog with Jeff Lynne and Dave Grohl. <laughs> right. It's terrible. <sighs> why Paul McCartney ever associated with Dave Grohl, it's like... Now, now everywhere we go now, it's just gonna everything he does got to be Dave Grohl involved, and we had to hear Dave Grohl going on and on about how his his eight year old daughter is his big Beatles. Like, who cares, man? Right? Who ca- You would be nothing if your lead singer didn't shoot himself in the head with a shotgun. Well, look, I'm I'm a big Nirvana fan. I was a big Nirvana fan, and I liked Dave Grohl. And and even like the first couple of years of the Foo Fighters, like all right, yeah. it's, it's pretty good. I like Dave Grohl. He seems like a nice guy. He's making decent music. My problem with Dave Grohl now is that I, I know he's getting older, but everything he does, even if he's playing like a soft acoustic ballad, or if he's playing a soft drum ballad, he has to like do it with such fake intensity. It's like he's he's clenching his jaw and the veins are coming out of his neck. He's like, yeah. but it's like it's like you're 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 playing two finger acoustic guitar, you know, power chord. Like calm down. Everything isn't this bit like he's playing the intro on the drums of while my guitar gently weeps and it's just literally tapping the hi hat. Yeah. And he's doing it with, like, his whole body is, like, getting into... He's, like, he's like you know, his, he has to, like, swing his arm, like, this 300... Uh, I know. Like, he, thinks, he thinks everything has to be, like, grunge. Right. It's like, calm down. <laughs> we like you. We know you can... Pl-. It's like, just calm down. All right. Dave so, Grohl, calm down. So that was okay. And then they made this big stink that the Eurythmics were reuniting uh, to... What did they? T- it wasn't like they were. They had broken up thirty years ago. <laughs> right. They've performed on and off for the last thirty years. What is the big deal? None. And so then they. So they had them doing the Fool on the Hill. Mm. And of course, Annie Lennox is oh, the one of the biggest whack wackos on the stage you can get. <laughs> and she's. What the hell was she doing? I don't know. It was very very <laughs> very. <laughs> It was, and she's making that weird, like, like, uh, like crazy, like, look on her face. And... Right. It was just very. It was just so unnecessarily dramatic yeah. for right, a Beatles so then, song. Then they did "Let It Be." Right. Uh, hey, Wes, do let it be. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> let it be. And it was uh, the two. Um, it was John Legend and Alicia Keys to. Uh, we just say R and B. John Lennon? Singers. No, John Legend. Oh, jeez. Now here's the thing. They should have just had John Legend do Let It Be. 
because I thought he did a very good job. He's a very he's kind of, he does you know, he's very melodic and and soft and and um, very nice job. Also, from what I've seen, he's just a plain old normal, regular, sane, calm person. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, he's kind of like a crooner. He's sort of. he's just a normal guy. He's not right. like this big diva or drama yeah. queen or. So they had him paired up with Alicia Keys. Now, that's all well and fine, but the problem is, and Alicia Keys, tremendous voice, tremendous singer. I'm not going to deny that. But she was not the right person to do that song. Like, Katy Perry was the wrong person to do Yesterday. (laughs) Alicia Keys is the wrong person to do Let It Be. Again, because she, almost like a Dave Grohl, she has to do, like, her style with it. And that's fine for her songs. And tremendous. But on this song, it, it it just didn't fit. Right. Well, the, the, the very, like whatever you want to call it, like vocally acrobatic style yeah. doesn't lend itself it's not to song. Beatles songs. Even not though the, even though the Beatles had fantastic voices, it's just the, the, the two don't click. So that I was a little pulled off by her performance. Then they did Here Comes the Sun. This is trem- a tremendous George Harrison song. Yeah. They decided to belittle this song and piss over... The, the legacy of George Harrison <laughs> by having the true country guy, Brad Paisley, wearing a cowboy hat and all, and par- in the most Saturday Night Live-ish pairing. Right. They paired him with this Pharrell Williams character. Who was, who I don't looks, know, was he a, is he a rapper? With, I don't know what he is. He looks and acts like a Saturday Night Live character. He like, was like, dressed as like Elmer Fudd. He looks and acts and, and his music is like a Saturday Night Live parody of, I so, guess, rap music or hip or, or whatever well, kind of his music whole it thing, is. His whole thing with hip hop is, again, he's one of these hip hop artists who really can't sing. But they don't actually have to because their songs have all this like... They have all like they have an actual like like actual singers doing all the like little pieces to it, and then they just they kind of say a few things, and then there's there's more like electronica going on, and and all this kind of crazy stuff. Duh. Yeah, that's why so, I hate it because there's I know. no talent. So he doesn't really have to sing, so nobody thought about the fact that this guy couldn't sing. Right. So they decided to have him. I mean, at this point, why not just have me or you up there? If Mike, you're gonna no. butcher a song. No, 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 no. Mike Massey. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying he can actually sing. You and I cannot sing like him. But I'm just saying, if you're just going to have some, some schmuck up there <laughs> speaking a song, I mean... Right. And then Brad Paisley, he's doing like the, the twang right. of it. Here comes the sun, <laughs> I say. And it's like... Right. Give it, it a rest. Putrid. I, I couldn't believe it. I think the two of them, in fact, were like... I cannot believe we are doing this and making a fool of ourselves and of George Harrison, but whatever. I have to say my coworker who her whole life, she's from the Midwest, but her whole life has been a huge country music uh, fan. God. For better or for worse. But she worse. says that half of these country, quote country stars, especially today, yeah. Half of them don't even have these these southern, you know, redneck accents. No, well, Keith Urban's Australian. They just they just fake it because the record company right. tells them to. So it's fake. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, well, they sing like that. Right. It's it's like, like it's like stero- again, it's like an SNL parody of country when, music. 
when Keith Urban did did Don't Let Me Down, he didn't sing with his normal country accent. Right. He just sang. Fake. Now, some look, don't look me wrong, like some country artists, Randy Travis, Travis Tritt, that's how they sound. I mean, they're Southerners. But they've been so around they, for longer. I'm, I'm talking about like the but, more current. Right. But those guys actually sing like Southerners. Right. <laughs> that's the thing. Oh, yeah, I agree. The, the new country is terrible. So they did that. Then, now was another great song, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Dave Grohl. So, again, Dave Grohl thankfully wasn't singing. He was playing the drums like an idiot. <laughs> and so they had playing the guitar uh, Joe Walsh yeah. and uh, Gary Clark Jr., who's kind of an up-and-coming uh, um, blues guitarist. And he's he's tremendous. Great guitarist, has a great voice, a black guy. Is he Dave Clark's son? No. So, um, Dick obviously, Clark? Gary Clark's son, if his name is Gary Clark Jr. Dick Clark? No, no Dick Clark's son. So this guy, he did a, he was doing a really good job on the song. Unfortunately, they had to have Joe Walsh sing alongside him. <laughs> right. Now, again, here's the thing. I love Joe Walsh. I love a lot of his songs, a lot of songs he did in the Eagles. They only work... A lot of those songs only work with as with Joe Walsh singing because he has that crazy voice, that like high pitched like it's very like nasally and whiny, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but it did not work on this song, and it ruined it. Absolutely ruined it. And then they did, and then they brought out Ringo Starr. Well, but so Ringo, know, why, why didn't they get Weird Al in, involved in this? He's no, I'm serious. He's a huge Beatles fan. But that's not what they considered. Why? It's not what they. Why would you have why my guitar gently weeps and not have Eric Clapton show up and do it? But that's exactly. Not what they considered. That's what I was saying before. Anyway, so uh, then they came out with Ringo Starr, and he played with like the house band that they had there, <laughs> yeah, doing which his, included, huh? Doing his uh, his seasick dance. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And playing the drums, and the, you know it was uh, Jeff Lynn and everybody else there. So. Um, he did a Matchbox, which was uh, not a Beatles song. That was one that they covered. Carl Perkins. Yes. Uh, Boys. Was that a Beatles song or that was another cover? It was a cover song. And, yeah. and I find it very strange that this 70-something-year-old <laughs> man is singing about how much he loves boys. Yeah, well. Well, Yoko Ono loved it because she was rocking out to those songs. I've been told when a boy gets a girl. <laughs> so then. All right. Well, look, they had how many songs did he even do? So it wasn't a lot to pick from. And then they did. Uh, he did "Yellow Submarine." Right. We that was great. all live yes. in. Yeah. And so then there was a, a break, and then they brought out Paul McCartney and his band. That's right, love. That's right. Speak and he Paul did McCartney, birth. Love. He did birthday. He did get back. I saw her standing there. Sergeant Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band. Again, a, a, a seventy-year-old man singing about this seventeen-year-old girl that he loves. Oh, fine. Well, he did a very nice job. And then they brought out Ringo again, and he did with a little help from my friends. And then Paul McCartney finished up with "Hey Jude." Right. And and though, let me tell you that section there, Ringo, and then McCartney, and then Ringo, tremendous. <sighs> the rest of it, uh, they were okay. Eh. <laughs> They're seventy some years old or whatever. God. Well, see, like, why, like, why didn't they, like, so going back to what I was saying before, I would have loved if it was like 
Well, it didn't happen. Bruce so let's Springsteen, move on. Stevie Wonder, Eric Clapton. Bruce Springsteen uh, played Beatles songs. I'm just saying the veterans. Terrible. You know, bring out like Aerosmith or no. the Eagles or Billy Joel. Like, where was Billy Joel? Elton John. They did that. He did that. Billy Joel and all they all sung McCartney songs in that in the Sandy uh, concert a couple of years ago. Eh, whatever. It wasn't very good. Um, so speaking of the Beatles and impersonators, <laughs> uh, one of the big impersonation bands out in the they're out in California. They call themselves the Fab Four. I don't know if you've ever seen them on YouTube. Or Fab like Four? No, no, no. Fab Four. Oh, they could do that. I guess so. Um, so they're, these guys are really, really good. Now, some of them don't really look like the Beatles, but when they do their shows, they, like, change. They start off doing, like, you know, like, Ed Sullivan-era Beatles with the mop tops and everything, and then they, like, trans... They, like, go into, like, Sgt. Pepper costumes, and they do a bunch of those songs, and then they kind of fi finish up with, like, uh, you know, like the Abbey Road Beatles, where they all look like cavemen and... <laughs> right. Whatever. But these guys do an incredible job. They play the instruments really well. They have a backing horn section. Wow. Um, they sound a lot like them. And I think these are Americans. So they do a really nice job. So the, the one guy is... Uh, oh, God. What the heck is his name? Uh, he also does uh, a Wings uh, like tribute band. Wow. And it's called Wings Band. Yeah. His name is Artie Saraf. Artie Saraf. And he actually kind of looks like Paul McCartney. Okay. Uh, yeah, so he does that. Um, they're out in California. And, in fact, there's a TV channel in the U.S. called Axis.TV, A-X-S. And they've actually had the Fab Four on it before. I think they even did, they did like a PBS performance. I mean, these guys are really good. So this guy, um, he does wings, and he does like all the wing songs, and he, you know they're in the costume, and they do. It, it, I mean, it is it is literally like we saw the rock show, the wings, yeah. you know, film. I mean, I mean, this guy, it's it's like exact. <laughs> wow. It's unbelievable. He even sounds like he sounds so much like Paul McCartney. It's actually eerie. Yes. 
and I make a tribute band for? I don't know. Aerosmith. Weird Al. Weird Al. Yeah, let's do a Weird Al tribute band. So, uh, so this the, the they're actually their performance on March 10th is actually going to be on live on that Axis TV. Do they come to the New York, New Jersey area? I don't know. I think they're mostly in Southern California, but they. I mean, the Wings stuff, I mean, they're really good as the Beatles, but as Wings, I mean, it's unbelievable. This guy, he sings just like McCartney. <laughs> wow. It's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, you got you to watch some of those because this the guy is, is very good. And the reason I saw him was I was looking up, and I'll, I'll get to this in a second. I was looking up the, the, the McCartney slash Wings song coming up. And I was looking at different things, and and this guy again, the guy did it like exactly. I was like in shock. So um, while I was looking for that, I came across this uh, link, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna uh, show uh, send this to you. Basically, this is all on YouTube where I found all this stuff. These this the, these they're all of their their clips and everything. Everything was on YouTube. So. Um, I found this thing, and it's some guy. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could do this because they have something called... It's called a sound font. What is that? It's similar. You know how, like, a, like a font for typing, although the letters look different and all? Yeah. So I guess in a similar way, they call it a sound font. So basically what it is is you have, like, an audio... Uh, like, a, on your computer, you have, like, an audio mixing program. And, you know, that allows you to either, you know, input from an actual instrument or maybe, you know, somehow you can, I don't know, use a keyboard or something and make music, whatever. And what it does is it, it, it essentially makes it sound in a certain way. So in this one case, the sound font was for the Sega Genesis. Ah. So it's like you, 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 you do a song and it outputs it, converts it into using, converts it somehow as if, it would be on the Genesis. A what Genesis? Sega. Sega! <laughs> Jesus. So I'm going to say, so this guy did a couple of McCartney songs. He did Coming Up and he did Good Night Tonight. Wow. The Coming Up is tremendous. It sounds so good on, 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 on uh, it's not actually on a Genesis, but it's, um, so you can listen to it, but. Should I listen now? Yeah, just listen to it. All right, here we go. <laughs> it's a goof right at you. Wow. I see your comment. subject of Paul McCartney and video game music, etc. I don't know if you ever heard of this um, arcade game. I think it only came out in Japan. 
but it was made by Konami in the mid 80s. I think it's called Mikey or Mickey or it's M I K I E. Okay. That's the name of it. And um, never heard of it. And me neither. And apparently it had some computer ports as well, but. Uh, it, it's a game. It's a weird game where you're in a you're like a, a teenager in a classroom, and you have to go around like collecting hearts from around the the other people who are sitting at their desks, and the teacher comes after you, and your your attack is to keep mooning him. <laughs> what? You keep mooning him. You either moon him or headbutt him. This is like something we would have come up with. It's crazy, but the, the reason I mentioned it is. Um, that the game soundtrack came out actually in 1984. The game soundtrack, at least in the arcade, uh, includes A Hard Day's Night and Twist and Shout. What? From the Beatles, yes. How could they do that? They licensed it, obviously. Ah. In some way. So where can I listen to this? Uh, It's probably on YouTube. There's probably uh, somebody playing it. I I was playing it on Main. All right. I couldn't understand how how to... play the game so I finally gave up but hmm. but yeah it's like it sounds a lot better it, than that what does that music have to do with a school game I don't know <laughs> it's so stupid decided to license it I guess <laughs> awesome Um, that's it for my oh and uh, one last thing about uh, the British segue uh, Simon Cowell has left the United States I didn't even know he was here well you know he was doing the X Factor and they, they cancelled that so now he went back to England and he's going to keep doing X Factor or something there so he's gone alright he's out of the United States back to England I just, you know, with this whole, with, with that Beatles 50th anniversary show and seeing Ringo do his, like, rock back and forth dance, <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know, and just the way he's singing and the way he's dancing and, and like, putting his hands up in the air and everything, it just, like, when did Ringo Starr go from really good rock drummer to, like, Wayne Newton Las Vegas lounge <laughs> singer? Uh, back in the 80s. He's turned into a Wayne Newton Las Vegas lounge singer. Hey, you know, did you know that back when he got married, I think it was like in 1980 or 81, one of those two. Um, no, I think it was in 1980. I don't remember. But that um, at his wedding reception, he had a jam with Paul McCartney and George Harrison and a bunch of other guys. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's rumored about. People have rumored about, it. and nothing has ever come up. Also, a couple of years earlier, when uh, George Harrison's ex-wife Patty, what the, what the heck's her, Patty Boyd, yeah, 
but she married Eric Clapton. <laughs> um, they did. There was a similar thing where Eric Clapton and like Mick Jagger and everybody they all jammed with Ringo because he was there and George Harrison and Paul McCartney. They all jammed, but uh, John Lennon unfortunately was not there. Yeah, right. He uh, did not accept the invitation. He's a smart man. What? What the? F- the rock legends. It probably sounded like garbage. Oh, a Just jam like, with those guys? No. A, a, a toot and a snore? No, that was a little bit different. That was his <laughs> fault. I can't hear you in the headphones. Oh, yeah, right. Louder, I can't hear you. <clears throat> um, yeah, so. Moving on. Um, you have anything or I'll go? I have a... You know the website Atari Age? Yes. So I was looking, I, I look at their forums sometimes. and there Really? Was, yeah, so there was one that was about someone's coming out with an Atari art book. Oh, yes, I saw that, yes. That's awesome. I don't know if they were actually coming out with it or not, though. Well, they're working on it. Right. Well, no. Well, I and I I responded in that thread and I said this is something I would love to have. Essentially, what we mean by Atari art is the box art. And back in the Atari, you know, the 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 classic Atari era, you know, the the late seventies into the early eighties, because the games looked like such crap, (laughs) and they were so simplistic. In order to kind of spruce up the games, they would have artists draw these incredible you know almost like movie poster in some cases even better yeah artwork that they would put on the cartridge they would put on the box etc and so like i believe this one guy was trying to i don't know if he owned a lot of the art or something there was a couple of different threads i lost track but that he was thinking about putting out a book like that and i said um, that I would really love to see this. And, and in fact, not just Atari, but if somebody would also think about doing the box art book of later years also. I mean, the, the artwork was so tremendous in video games up until about, I don't know, 10 years ago. And then it just went all the, it just computer drawn or something. Yeah. But yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah. So I don't. Is there is there like a, a Kickstarter or something? That... It was very vague. I don't. I don't know. It, it's I, you know if there's something I'll let you know. But it was vague on in terms of uh, what the actual plans were or not. Well, I hope that this comes out. I hope this person is successful. Yeah. Because I want this. Even I remember back when I was like five years old, eight years right. old, ten years old. Before we got the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1988, before that, um, I would play these games. And, of course, I, I I loved a lot of the games. But I would look at the manuals and the covers of the cartridges and, and, and just yeah. be... Even as a child, I knew that this artwork was unbelievable. Especially, like, Haunted House and Defender right. and, and... Oh, my God. Super Breakout. Yeah. yeah. There was it was great. I, I would love to see that. I'd love to buy that. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I just sent you something video game related. Right, that's what I'm laughing at. Apparently, Adam Sandler now has a striking resemblance to the Mike Tyson's Punch Out Punch Out slash Punch Out character Don Flamenco. <laughs> he does. Oh my god, <laughs> that's awesome. 
Yeah. So, um, speaking of computers, you know, old computers, I don't know how I found this, but apparently, this is, of course, on YouTube. You remember how, back in the day, they, when they would have, like, new Windows, Microsoft Windows, or other applications on computers would come out, it wasn't enough, like, to have a help um, file or, you know, like, a help website or like a tutorial or a book. People were so unsure about computers at the time, they actually had to have these, like, prolonged, like, 30-minute videos. Yeah. And one of them, in fact, is when Windows 95 came out, they hired Jennifer Aniston and Matthew Perry from Friends. (laughs) What? Yes. To do what? To like prop up, pump up, like, hey, Windows ninety five, look at this, this is great. You got, you got to get this, and it's basically one of those like really, really cheesy like things where they kind of show up, and even though they're themselves, they're still kind of acting like they're friends characters. <laughs> what? And so, and they're all like, like goo goo gaga about like, like, oh my god, and Jennifer's like, oh my god, look at this, I can do email. Wow, this is. And, and, like, there was some guy that was showing them everything, and they're doing, like, the, the really, really, like, lame, like, infomercial thing, like, like, oh, oh, my God, oh, this is incredible, you know, just just really cheesy. Wow, I don't remember that. Uh, you, you gotta watch it, it's, it's really lame. <laughs> Sounds like it. You know, Matthew Perry's like, you know, he's doing really corny jokes, and... I just, I couldn't believe it. And I actually, the reason I bring it up is I actually remembered this from back then because, and the reason I say that is back in those days, like when they had the, the, the actual computer stores, the CompUSAs or the Circuit City, uh, the Computer Cities or anything like that. In the Computer City, they, it was one of those two. They actually had like a kiosk, like a display kiosk like you would for video games. And I remember that Windows 95 came out and they had, I remember they had on a TV, they had this video playing like in a loop right. over and over again. I'm like, oh. Okay, now if memory serves, you couldn't do this in the old Windows without opening a bunch of file manager windows. That is correct, Grasshopper. Let me give you one more tip. Take any shortcut and drag it to the start button. Okay, well, I'll grab the shortcut to Nova from a black hole. Here we go. Now show me the start menu. Survey says the shortcut is now on the top of the start menu. We are rocking the desktop. You did not just say rocking the desktop. No. Yes, you did. You said rocking with a little apostrophe on the end. (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) You... you... Go to the taskbar and right-click any program. Okay, got it. Now we can close just like that, and look, it it moves. Hmm. Now let's really get crazy. Go into the control panel off the hard drive in my computer. Let's check out desktop themes. What is this? Actually, it's not part of Windows 95. There are some really cool displays that come with a companion program for Windows 95 called Microsoft Plus. Now dial up American 60s and hit display. Oh, psychedelic. People, we have an announcement. Stay away from the brown floppies. 
With Windows 95, you can pretty much impose your will on your PC and the world. I feel so empowered. It's Joystick Johnny. Joystick Johnny, what brings you to town, Buckaroo? Where's Gates? Bill's not here, Johnny. We don't want no trouble. Joystick Johnny? What is a uh, Joystick Johnny? The most feared video game warrior in the territory. He's probably heard that the new multimedia support in Windows 95 makes games fast and cool. And of course, Windows 95 is compatible with DOS games like Flight Simulator. That's yesterday's news to Johnny. Somebody better step up and volunteer. We start fitting everyone here for one-man bungalows. How about that stranger over there? He looks like he's hiding something. Okay, first of all, I'm Matthew, so that takes care of the stranger thing. And second of all, I'm not hiding anything. As a matter of fact, I'm working on expose right now to blow the lid off the sitcom business. Yeah, well, nobody's leaving until somebody's mad enough to play a little 3D pinball with old joystick Johnny. Okay, Junior. You're on. A uh, girl. Hardy har har. <laughs> oh, no. See, that's a coward's laugh. Nobody calls joystick Johnny a coward, ma'am. Lee, bring up 3D pinball. <laughs> So, uh, what's uh, 3D Pinball? You mean you've never played that? No. No. Oh, wait a minute. No. Nobody has. It's a new game in Microsoft Plus. So... But yeah, it was pretty, pretty dumb. Do you remember, uh... Now, of course, if you... If, if someone goes... Like, let's say if Apple releases its new version of, of the operating system... The person can go to the Apple Store, or you know, for like thirty dollars or whatever, buy the disc, bring it home. Although, yeah. a, although actually, even nowadays, you don't even do that. You just go into the App Store online. Yeah. But you remember this when we when 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 like you know, I got my family got our first computer, and then you got your first computer. Yeah. And our our computer came with Windows three point <laughs> And then yeah. later on, like a few months later, we you know was, we got we upgraded to Windows three point one. Yes, but the operating system would come in this big box. DOS. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. MS DOS, okay. Windows, no matter what it was, even even a program like Microsoft Word, yeah. it would come in this big cardboard box, and there would be like ten floppy disks in there. Oh yeah. Putrid. So you'd put in the first floppy disk, it would install, oh. it would take forever. Then, okay, oh. uh, insert floppy disk 2. All right, and put in disk oh. 2. But not only that, so it would come all on all night. these floppy disks. Yeah, all night. It would come on all these floppy disks. Not only that, back then, like you were saying before, programs now, you download it from the App Store, you install it, there's a some kind of PDF with instructions. These things back then used to come with, like, 300 page books and going right. over every single and then they wouldn't just come with the 300 page book then they would come with another like 100 page book about <laughs> like tips and, yeah, and yeah, like a quick start yeah like quick start and then people would and then on top of that like you said people were so confused that then there was a whole section in the bookstore about like Here's how to win at Word. Yeah. Here's how to win at Windows. Windows and here, and it's 95 like, for dummies. Yeah, it's like, what? Like, it already comes with a 400-page book. Why do you need this other 400-page book? 
Like, you just click on things. That's all you do. They still couldn't figure it out. And, and back again, back in those days, nobody had internet or had very little. Right. So you were you were literally on your own. Unless you wanted to call a phone, you know, get on the phone and call them up, which is terrible. But you literally were on your own. If you didn't, if you couldn't figure out something in Windows 95, you were stuck. So you it had to be in, in those books. <laughs> right. You know, just it just had to be in there. Otherwise, you you never would have. But I figured that was terrible. Oh, installing things was. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. I mean, there were. I can remember there was. Now again, installing Windows from scratch is still going to take a little bit of time. So, you know, nothing you get around that. But you know, I'm just thinking like programs. I mean, back then it would take me literally like two hours to install a program. Yeah, I know. It wasn't my fault. It just took that long for the program to install. Because you had to and keep swapping like, floppy disks. And... Uh, now it takes like 20 seconds. Yeah, right. Uh, yes, uh, time time has, uh, has flown by. Before that, right? So this was the early 1990s. Windows 3.0, 3.1. Before yeah. that, in the 1980s... Uh. And the late 1970s, you didn't even install programs. You had to... Yeah, it just ran off a disk. Yeah, each time you turned on the computer, you had to turn it on with the disk inside of <laughs> the drive. And then if you wanted something else, you would have to like take that out, reset the computer, put the new disk in. The... So, I Terrible. mean, I, yeah, it was, it was crazy. So I have a, um, a very short movie review. Oh... Have you seen? Uh, I think this came out last year. Remember this year. Did, have you seen this? Is the end? Yes. I not, I reviewed it. Not the no 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 not that one. That's that that is called like is this the end or something like that. No, with uh, with uh, Seth Rogen. Yeah, and Jonah Hill. Oh, we we talked about that. I reviewed it. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, I reviewed okay. it. I don't think we ever did that one. Hold on. It's called this. How we, it came out in 2013. This is the end, right? Yes. Um. Yeah, yeah epi- J- episode 221. Really? Yes. Well, I finally saw it. It was on cable and I saw it. I thought it was pretty good. It was okay, except... Kind of funny. I felt like, it, like I said in my review in episode 221 on I felt like the funny parts inside the house were funny. Yeah. But then when they would leave the house, like, it was just very disjointed because then it turned into almost like a horror movie. Yeah, well, yeah, it kind of partly was, yeah. So it, it kept going back and forth in this very disjointed way. And then, even more disjointed, was like this weird tacked-on ending... Yeah. Where Seth Rogen like wanted to go up to heaven, it was like what? And then they finally get there, and they're like dancing with the Backstreet Boys. Very, very. Ta- I mean, he even I think in an interview he even admitted that it was yeah. tacked on just because they needed an ending. <laughs> well, again, this was all part of him. He, Evan Goldberg, who always writes stuff with, um, they had done a short movie like this, uh, starring Seth Rogen, Jay Baruchel. They'd done a trailer. In 2007, and everybody's like, "Where is this? Where's the movie?" And they and they finally got it made, and you know, did pretty well. But it's a very good movie. It's funny. The first like 20 minutes are hilarious. Oh yeah. When like the world is everything's going crazy. 
all the celebrities show up and they fall into the earth and they're all like crying and right. making fun of each other. It's it's just hilarious. But that's why in episode 221, I was complaining because all of the commercials for the movie and yeah. all of the trailers, they kept showing all these celebrities. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, but they're only there for a second. Yeah, I'm like, oh, great. Kevin Hart's in it and Michael ah. Sarah and all these. And then I watched the movie and I'm like, they're all dead in like in like ten minutes. I'm like, wait a minute! Right, false advertising. Although the James Franco arguing with um, Danny McBride was was hilarious in, yes. in the movie, though that was that was really funny. Yes. So anyway, that was that one. Now, I did. This is another one, a very very brief one. I saw this the other night. Um, if you remember, I was it last April's Chiller Theater when we uh, we talked to. Um, Jeffrey, uh, the heck is his name? Combs? Yes, Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. <laughs> From Transformers and Star Trek. Um, Episode so, 218. Right, so. May there was a, 2013. Yeah, so they did this horror movie back in 2012, um, which if I had seen it, I would have talked to him about it, but uh, I hadn't seen it yet. And it, it's this, like, crazy, like, horror movie. Um, where they ever these people show up at this rich guy's house, and they have to play a game, and whoever wins the game is supposed to get all this money. And but basically, it's very sadistic, and this guy's just trying to kill them all, and okay, <laughs> whatever. So it's crazy. It's very gory. It's very crazy. Um, but Jeffrey Combs is the rich guy in it. He's like the main bad guy. <laughs> this is funny because. It's called Would You Rather. All right. So, like, every time they get to a new round, he's like, he's like, uh, look, um, he's like, uh, this is how the game is going to be played. Um, there's going to be a, a choice between something that you know, something that you do not know. The something that you know could be very easy, not that bad. The something that you do not know could be heinous. But it turns out, like, every choice he gave them was terrible. <laughs> okay. He'd be like, would you rather um, beat Travis over here with a baseball bat or swallow what's in this box? <laughs> and they're like, well, I don't want to beat this guy to death with a baseball bat, so I'll just swallow what's ever in the box. And then he opens the box and it's a grenade. Ah, what? <laughs> it's like, you can't, you can't advance there. You're going to just die. So why didn't everyone just leave? Oh, they tried and they killed them and they're trying to leave. <laughs> what? Would you rather? What? So, kind of really, really dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's all I have. The end.
It's always great to see him and play with him is like very special, you know, because it's got memories and he's a good drummer. I tell people, you know, I remember the very first time he ever kind of sat in with us, with the Beatles, and it was like the front line and we like looked at each other like, what's going on, you know, because like the band lifted to what it was about to become. Really enjoying it. The rehearsal, so I should have a great time on the show. You know, he's the finest. Paul McCartney is the finest. <laughs> Peace and love. Thanks.